At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies, like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast with Tim Benz. Presented by Bet Rivers. Golden State has a lot of time. Pull with the ball. Launches. It sure is nice when the locks come through, right? And there was no bigger lock than Golden State winning Game 2 of the NBA Finals after losing Game 1. And I'm someone who says that as a person who took the Celtics to win the series, but there was no way Golden State was losing Game 2, right? Then again, if you're a better like me, you win a game like that, and instead of enjoying your winnings, you just sit around and say to yourself, why didn't I bet more? I'm Tim Benz, the Pittsburgh CityCast. It's brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com and bet more on the games that you know you're going to win like I should have done last night on the Warriors. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is your home for betting on the pivotal Game 3 matchup between Boston and Golden State. And 3 is the magic number. When you bet on any player's total 3-pointers on a prop bet, You'll get a free bet for every three made in the game. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Bet on the threes in game three and score yourself free bets. Make your bets at betrivers.com or on the BetRivers app presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. That game is a tougher read than last night, but if you're like me and you took the Celtics in the series, this is one they have to win. Uh, I think so anyway. So I'm going with Boston. It's currently at Celtics minus three and a half at minus 112. On the money line, the Celtics are paying out at minus 159. I might shave it down a point and 
get under three for the margin. Uh, the Warriors at three and a half, plus three and a half. That pays out at minus 109. It's plus 135 on the money line for Golden State. The total sits at 212 and a half. Like I said, buy a point on the Celtics, or if you back the Warriors on the series, then I like the payout if you take Golden State on the money line here. This might be one of those where it's kind of what your preconceived notion of the series was going to be that guides your betting for this specific game. Hockey-wise, while it sure looks like the Avs are going to make short work of the Oilers, doesn't it? I expect the Avs in six. At least I expected the Avs in six. Uh, never thought a sweep was possible. And they're doing it with a backup goaltender, too. That's the most impressive part. Now, that said, I do like Edmonton for game number four. I see them trending at plus 114 on the money line. I think that's kind of sort of a play-for-pride kind of game, don't-get-swept kind of thing. Then it goes back to Colorado, and it ends in the first period. Uh, that's my hunch. So go Oilers for this one coming up. In terms of the other series, it's been a roller coaster. If you can't bet on the Lightning winning after a loss, my God, what can you bet on? I thought Tampa winning Game 2 against the Rangers was as much of a lock as Golden State winning Game 2 against the Celtics. And for most of the same reasons, basically, that I point out with the Warriors. But that Veselevsky never losing back-to-back games thing finally rode its course. At least the underheld, that mitigated some damage for me there. I got that part right. Then they turn around and defend home ice in Game 3 again. Uh, I'm leaning towards the Lightning for the series, and if they're going to win the series, they better win this one. I'll go with the Celtics theory on this one and apply it to the hockey matchup. So I'll take Tampa at minus 175 on the money line, but that is a hefty buy, isn't it? The plus 150 on the puck line is tempting, too. Actually, maybe, yeah, I'll do that. Give me that. 175 is too much on the money line. 4-2 on an empty netter is just as likely as 3-2 in overtime, and the payout is better. So give me Tampa on the puck line tomorrow. Baseball-wise, that was a rocky road for me this weekend. I gave you the ex-Bucko pitcher parlay that worked out on Friday, Cole and Anderson, but I had some other ones that I sniffed out that still just somehow managed to blow up in my face. Like, for instance, and I hate this, when you get the big picture right, and then when you actually apply it to a bet, it doesn't work out for you. Like I said, Burns and Musgrove on Friday in Brewers and Padres. I didn't bother giving you a winner, but I gave you the under because of the fact that you got the defending Cy Young winner against maybe this year's Cy Young winner in the National League in Musgrove. It was at 6.5, and, and it came in at 7, and the Padres scored all 7 runs. So go figure there. Uh, Blue Jays and Angels, that parlay split. The Angels got shellacked 10-0 on Friday, but the Blue Jays lost to the Twins to snap their win streak. And the Pirates lost on Friday. See, I love them in this series against the Diamondbacks, and I love the unders in this series. The Pirates won the last two. The under held comfortably in the last two. The only game I bet on, though, was the Pirates on Friday night. Of course, they lost with 14 runs on the board. And that was sort of my baseball gambling life this weekend. But, hey, that's how it goes sometimes in this business. Actually, that's how it goes a lot of times in this business, which is why it's as hard to master as it is. Maybe if you're hunting for gambling lines on baseball, how about the overs in the College Baseball World Series? There are football scores going up in that sport. Three games yesterday that I saw ranged from 12 to 18 to 44. 
That's right. Oklahoma State versus Missouri State. Cowboys win 29-15. Are you kidding? As far as the Pirates go, they've got an off day today. That's too bad. They're actually playing pretty well right now with some momentum. They have the Tigers at home for two on Tuesday and Wednesday. Then they are on the road for seven straight in Atlanta and St. Louis. Save all your money for June 15th. That's the Adam Wainwright game. And you know what happens when the Pirates face Adam Wainwright. Good for the Cardinals. Bad for the Buckos. Good for you when you bet on the Cardinals. So make some money between now and then and then get invested big time in that one. The Tigers have sort of cooled after winning five of six. They just got swept by the Yankees. Uh, games that were all over the place. 13-0, 3-0, and 5-4. As for the Braves, they've won five straight and they have the awful A's coming up before Pittsburgh. So look for the Braves to be hot once they welcome the Pirates. Oakland has lost six in a row and nine of ten. If you want to play tonight, Mets on the run line at San Diego. Carrasco against Snell. Snell's ERA at 480. The Mets getting plus 160 on the run line. Mets 18-11 away from home. San Diego just 13-10 and 10 at home. I like the Mets tonight. All right, uh, when we come back, it is a Madden Monday with Mark Madden of 105.9 The X. We talk about the hockey series in both the Eastern and Western Conference. We get into lots of Steelers talk as it relates to Devin Bush and how it relates to the Stephon Tewitt situation. We'll talk about all that with Mark. We even mix in some Pirates baseball as well and some Penguins talk too in the offseason. A Madden Monday coming up here in the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to BetRivers.com. Bet Rivers Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh, must be 21 gambling problem, call 1 800 Gambler. It is a Madden Monday brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to betrivers.com. Mark Madden from 1059 The X and Trib Live out in Chicago this weekend. And uh, Mark and I hooking up a little earlier today on a Sunday. So we'll talk about the Eastern Conference final in the NHL, the game between the Rangers and Lightning on Monday morning. But Mark, based on the way the Avalanche are playing out west, I don't know that it matters. Do you? Uh, they certainly look terrific. Uh, the fact that they're dominating games and winning easily with their backup goalie and not flinching at all. I mean, that guy's a lefty, and he got the shoulder pads, Tim, where he, boy, dare it be said, he looks like Louis Domingue <laughs> until, of course, he makes a save. So, uh, yeah, I think they look like the best team that's not going out on a limb. But I, I got to tell you, the way the Rangers are playing and – they look like they could give uh, Colorado a challenge speed-wise. And, of course, with Shesterkin, they can be a match for anybody. So um, I think it's been a great playoff. I think it's one of the most inter- entertaining postseasons we've had in quite some time uh, in the NHL. And uh, I'm just looking forward to it continuing. I don't know right now how things are going to go in Game 3 with the Rangers and Lightning. I was just stunned that Tampa didn't win Game 2 with their renowned bounce-back ability. Well, that's maybe because it's over. I mean, you know, there's still games to be played, but you, you don't do that forever. And they came pretty close. But, but I, I just think they look, uh, they look like a spent force. 
Mark, what'd you think of the Kadri hit that he sustained from Kane? Oh, it's a horribly cheap hit. It's definitely intended to injure, but at least Kane got the right guy. That's exactly my analysis of it. The right guy got it, but that's never the right hit. Yeah, it's like when James Neal got Brad Marchand with the million-dollar knee lift back when. <laughs> right. I actually said that to Nealer in front of the media in the Penguins locker room. At least you got the right guy. <laughs> it, you know, Kadri, I mean, how do you feel sympathy for Nazem Kadri? Uh, you know, in a vacuum, it's, it's a horrible hit. And, um, you know, uh, by the time people listen to this, Kane may well be suspended, and deservedly so. But I repeat, at least he got the right guy. So what does this do then if they are eliminated as far as the uh, ongoing, I know it's hard to use this word at this point in his career, but the legacy, the status of Connor McDavid if he falls short of yet another cup final? Oh, this has been a great playoff for him and for them. Uh, I mean, getting slaughtered in the, in the conference final doesn't, doesn't help in terms of his legacy, but he's still young enough where he's got plenty of time to, to cement a better legacy. Now, now, I think if they go backwards next year and don't reach the conference final at the very least, then that's a, a bad sign. But I don't look at anything that's happened this year with the Oilers and McDavid as anything but good. they got to get a better goalie. I, I mean, Mike Smith looks overwhelmed in there. And, and it's another example. One thing we are seeing in hockey this year, and particularly at the goalie position, is GMs are so worried about the friggin' chemistry in their locker room that they're not making the right move. Case in point, the minute Minnesota got Marc-Andre Fleury, Fleury should have been the number one goalie, period. That's the only reason to get him. But he split time with Cam Talbot, and yeah, Fleury played you know, the first uh, all but one game in the playoffs for Minnesota, and they lost. And, you know, Mark wasn't great, but, but the Oilers needed to go out and get a better goalie. Maybe Flurry, who they should have got. But uh, from what I've read, there was this fear that it would disrupt the chemistry and Smitty's a good guy and he's earned it, blah, blah, blah. Mike Smith stinks. He's 38, never come close to winning. They needed a better goalie. And uh, the fact that he's a good guy ain't helping now, is it? To underscore that, Mark, these are the Oilers we're talking about. They play open. You're going to need good goaltending to make up for that. That's part of what was as impressive as it was during Flurry's era with the Penguins that he was backstopping them to the finals in 08 and 09. Yeah, he was so often under siege, he would have known how to handle it. And Mike Smith, though, it, it's, it's, it's more shallow than that, Tim. It's never mind who played behind what and has experience, blah, blah. It's that Mike Smith isn't good enough. He's never been good enough. Not at this, not, not at this point in the postseason. Are you bothering at this point, Mark, to pay much attention to potential free agents for the Penguins, or is that not worth the effort until we know how sincere they are based on what Ron Hextall said about the potential of retaining Malkin and Latang? Well, it's not worth the effort on two levels. It's not worth the effort till you see what happens with Latang and Malkin. It's not worth the effort till you see exactly who's available. The only thing I've commented on is that I've heard Vince Trocheck is not going to go back to Carolina, that uh, that he's not getting anywhere near the odds that he wants. And what he wants is seven years, $5.5 million per year. And the Penguins shouldn't give Trocheck that either. But if he would take the Russ contract, namely six years at uh, 5.1, I'd, I'd give him that, yeah. That sounds like a good number to me. I doubt he'll do it. And if it's not Carolina that gives him that money, Mark, I think somebody else will. It's the it only takes one philosophy, and I think it's applicable to him in this situation. 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're probably right, but don't forget that the cap hasn't gone up in a number of years, you know, because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And you never know how many teams have, you know, even even going into free agency, you know, are going to have some cap problems. So I, I never say never, but you're probably right. I know he wants to come back to Pittsburgh, but again, uh, I, I could never imagine that a guy – you know, to stay with the same team, I could see a hometown discount, right? But to go to a new team, I don't think you give the hometown discount, even if it is literally Vince Trocek's hometown. Back to goaltending, Mark. What do you think the Penguins' philosophy will be behind Tristan Jari? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, he has one more year left in his deal. I don't know what they're going to do. Uh, you know what is funny, though, Tim? With the Rangers having done so well in the playoffs so far, people say... Well, if only the Penguins would have had Jari the whole series, they would have beat the Rangers. They'd still be playing now. And then if you go one excuse back, oh, if Jari hadn't stoiled the bet against the Islanders, the Penguins would have gone far in those playoffs. Exactly, yeah. It's like it's like both ends of the Jari spectrum. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that too. And, you know, when Ron Hextall talks about circumstances being the reason why they've been eliminated the past couple of years, well, everybody has circumstances. I wrote about this for the Trib. The Steelers have had circumstances since 2016. You know, it's always circumstances. No one has a perfect, easy run. It's how do you compensate for it? And in the case of the Steelers, they should have compensated better than not winning a playoff game the last five years. And the Penguins should have compensated better than not having a first-round win the last four. Tim, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Dan Jenkins. Are you familiar with his yeah. novels? Yeah, yeah. The, the, the football writer turned novelist wrote Semi-Tough, which got made into a movie by uh, with Burt Reynolds and Chris Christopherson, and then the sequel, Life Its Own Self, which uh, did not make a movie. And, and might I add, the book Semi-Tough, much better than the movie. The movie was okay. But um, there's a character named Dreamer Tatum in, in Dan's work, based uh, loosely on uh, Jack Tatum from the Raiders, right? Okay. And Dreamer Tatum has one of my all-time favorite sports quotes, even if it is from a fictional character. He says, I learned something a long time ago. What could have happened, did. And it has over and over again to both of the Pittsburgh's pro sports teams, at least worth keeping track of anyway. The Pirates, despite their recent run, uh, I'll worry oh, about no, that. Oh, no, no, here come the Pirates. What are they, 24 <laughs> and 28? Yeah, 24 and 28. I think they've won something like 8 of 11 or 8 of 12 now. Two couple series back-to-back. They just beat the Diamondbacks again today. Hey, at least they're doing it with young kids. I mean, at least they're doing it with some of their alleged future. Yeah, it's not their alleged future. They're all placeholders for the alleged future. Um, but it, it, it says a lot about Pittsburgh as a baseball town when they're a lousy 24-28, and they had a crowd Sunday of, I think, 18,000 at the ballpark, and people were going uh, going nuts over that. Like it's some you know great deal to have a half-full park and a record four games under 500. And you're already reading, like, CBS Sports had David Bednar as one of the most likely players to be snatched up at the trade deadline you know with the way the pirates acted in the offseason or the right at the start of the season when they gave Reynolds and Hayes those deals that maybe make makes me think for a second maybe it won't happen but if they get the right enough offer mark you know that they will of course they will and they should I mean closers are a dime a dozen and a crap team doesn't need a closer let's get to the Steelers then Mark were you as put off by Devin Bush's comments as I was what we said, he doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. Yes, of course he needs to prove something. He needs to prove he wasn't a first-round bust. 
Well, yeah, and if he wants a new contract, I mean, he didn't get his fifth-year option picked up. I think that is a dead giveaway. He has something to prove to somebody. Uh, and then you go to Kelly saying he's one of the top five cornerbacks in football. Throughout most of his career, he hasn't been considered one of the top five cornerbacks on his team. So one thing about the Steelers, what they lack in talent, they more than make up for by having no humility whatsoever. And uh, I've always said that humility can be a valuable teaching tool, and the Steelers want none of it. They've never had it, at least in this iteration of the team over the last uh, six or seven years. And I think what will humble them more than anything else potentially could be that stretch of games to start the season. You know, they walk out of that one and five or even at best two and four, maybe they beat the Browns and Jets. Uh, they better be humbled by that point and reboot quickly as they had to do last year. I love what's going on with, oh, Tampa ties it. Oh, oh. we shouldn't say that. We're live. We're no, not live. That's all right. We'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> but, man, I'll leave it in there, Tim. It's a slice of life for the listeners. It is, yes. It's, it's live uh, to tape. Uh, one of the great things going on right now how's the Deshaun Watson get for the Browns is just blowing up in their faces yeah it is delightful yes and you know how could they not see it coming why would you take that kind of chance with that kind of money on that kind of man yeah especially when you looked at what the other teams did that were in the hunt for him nobody was going to do what the Browns did especially financially and I think everybody else had a more clear path to handle what was going to go on with Watson, whereas the Browns just muddied their own waters, soiled their own bed, and now what are they going to do with Baker? I mean, this is this is nuts up there, what's happening with Cleveland. Well, would it surprise you if Watson didn't play at all this year? No, it wouldn't, based on how things are going. Okay, and then if you're Baker, what do you do if they ask you to come back? And do they have the Cajones to ask Baker to come back? Because he is under contract, correct? He is under contract, and, you know, if he's essentially playing for his own contract next year, then I come back, I play full bore, I don't do it for the laundry, I do it for myself. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. What was the what was the character's name in in the hangover that uh, Dr. Ken Young played? When when everybody when everybody's laughing he goes <laughs> F you <laughs> That should be Baker Mayfield's response. <laughs> F you. So what do you do then? If you're Mayfield and they have to go to that situation, how would you handle it? I say, okay, I'll play. I want a five-year extension for the money I, money I wanted originally. Or move me and go with Jacoby Brissett. Nope, I don't even offer them the option <laughs> of moving me. I say I want a five-year deal for my original quote. And don't worry, you won't have to pay Deshaun Watson. Or wait, you do, because you're guaranteed money to a guy with 24 civil sex suits hanging over his head. Mark, back to the Steelers for a second and Devin Bush. The other thing that came up this week, well, not this week because I'd written about it previously. I was told by some folks in Jacksonville that Miles Jack isn't a big fan of having the communication helmet, the green dot, so to speak. Um, he talked about it with me a little bit. He still sounds like he's not a big fan of it, but he'll do it if asked. Although it sounds like he'd like to have Bush take on that responsibility. I don't like Devin Bush thinking either. I mean, he can't think for two seconds to get the right words out of his mouth when he's talking to us. How's he supposed to spit out the communication 56 plays a game? 
Well, I mean, why is that an option? Why does he get to decide? Just do it if you're told. Well, I think Jack will do it if he's told, but he's better when he doesn't have it, is what I'm saying. (laughs) See, I just hate ticky-tack stuff like that. It's part of the game, do what you're told, come through. Who else would you give the dot to? Uh, I guess you could give it to a safety. You could give it to Edmonds, potentially. The logical guy to have the dot is one of the inside linebackers, correct? Yeah, and it was Schobert last year. It can't be Devin Bush, so it needs to be Miles Jack, whether he's comfortable with it or not. Because I'm more comfortable with Miles Jack being uncomfortable than I am with Devin Bush having right. that dot. That I agree with wholeheartedly. Um, how about the Tewitt situation, how it got resolved? Oh, by the way, Mr. Chow. Mr. Chow, yes, that's right. Thank you. That was going to bother Le- me. Leslie Chow. <laughs> F you. <laughs> uh, well, the Tewitt situation, I, I mean, Tim... Uh, not to blow my own horn, but toot toot. I, I said two months ago he was retiring. I knew he was. And the Steelers knew too. I could tell you 100% the Steelers knew he was retiring two months ago. They just asked him to hold off on his announcement, uh, mostly to try to get him to change his mind. Cam Hayward was in charge of that. Or, uh, you know, as it turned out, um, he retired on the first, which was the first day you could spread his remaining cap hit over two years. Right, yeah. So, so delaying delaying was uh, was uh, was you know planned out in in twofold in its intent, but uh, I don't think it affected anything they would have done differently had they had they announced two months ago had they not believed even for a second he could be talked into coming back. Uh, I don't think they would have drafted different. I think they still would have taken Pickett. I don't think they would have handled free agency different. The only thing that I think they may have done differently is potentially have taken that Jones kid from UConn in the second round instead of Pickens. That's the only thing potentially they may have done differently, but then they would have been still thin at wide receiver if that was the issue. I don't, Tim, I think they really liked Pickens. So I'm not sure that would have turned out any different. And and like I said, I mean, the only way it's really a major thing is if you uh, don't take Pickens. So... I am I am very confident when I say that it wouldn't have changed anything with the way they put the roster together uh, from the time they knew Tua was going to retire until he actually announced his retirement. And to underscore that, Mark, I think people will figure that out when they take what money they have and address backup running back or outside linebacker before defensive line. And I think they will do that because those those two positions are actually thinner than defensive lines so yes. long as Hayward and yes. Adewale are healthy. Would you agree? Yes, although although I think you need, given the age of, of Hayward at 33 and Adewale at 35, I think you need four guys on the defensive line who can play regularly and, and absorb a lot of snaps because given the ages of, of their two top guys, you know, I know in the nickel and the dime you only have two defensive linemen out there, but it can't be them all the time. Uh, I keep hearing good things about Isaiah Loudermilk, the fifth-round pick from last year, although just like I don't trust Dan Moore for the long run as a fourth-round pick, nor do I trust Loudermilk in the long run, or even the short run, really, as a fifth-round pick. But but I do hear good things about him. Um, Chris Wormley had the career-high uh, seven sacks last year, but he's no good against the run, and that's their biggest problem on the defensive line is they're awful against the run. I hear people say, sign – uh, Sue or Ogan Joby, but they're they're not great against the run either. I mean, Sue was Sue's just old and washed up, and he wants too much money. 
but the Steelers do have $20 million in cap space left, so if Sue wanted overpaid for a year, I could see doing it, and I think they could use a bit of his nasty, but, but I just don't feel like it's going to happen. I feel like they're going to use who they got. And Ogunjobi does have a bit of a reputation of kind of freelancing and not staying in place to try to get numbers. Well, and he still can't pass the physical, too. There's that as well. Um, and the Wormley thing, I think you're exactly right about. In fact, that's what I wrote in the Trib 2 on this topic, which was if you still have a healthy Hayward and a healthy Alualu throughout the whole season, the way to go about this is put Alualu on the nose with Wormley and Hayward as the other two defensive ends, but I still have Wormley be the backup to those two guys. I want as many snaps out of Hayward and Alualu as I can get, and if that's kind of in the 70 to 75% of the snaps range, which is what it has been when the Tewitt and Hayward have been healthy, that's where it should be, I think. Well, no, I don't disagree, but then there will be a price to be paid late in the season. But who knows if we're even in it late in the season. You're right. you gotta, you got to try to get through. If you have any hope of making the playoffs, which I don't, they shouldn't, but they do. If you have any realistic hope of making the playoffs, um, you, you've got to come out of that, that stretch to beginning uh, at least three and three. At least. But then if they're three and three, when do you pull Trubisky for Pickett? It's just, it, it could be a real tangled web this year. And it's going to be good business for us. I know that. Mark, what are you doing in Chicago? Robert Plant and Allison Krauss. Uh, they, uh, they uh, you know, recorded their second album. They had that album years ago, Raising Sand, uh, which uh, won a Grammy. And they got back together and did another album, which I heard. It's good. It, it's plant real folkified and countryfied and acoustified. And I've already seen clips of their, their concerts on this tour. They've done a couple. I'm not going to like it. I know that. You know, it, like I heard them do Rock and Roll, Rock and Roll by Zeppelin. Uh, the featured instrument in uh, their version of Led Zeppelin's Rock and Roll is a fiddle, Tim. <laughs> that seems counterintuitive to me. Well, you know, Robert Plant grew up in England, and the devil did not go down to Birmingham. Not Alabama, anyway. Not, not England. Not, it just, it, just uh, it figures I named the one town for my joke that had a more prominent one in America. So I, I blew the punchline. But, uh, but, but by the same token, he's Robert Plant. I feel almost obligated to see him, uh, you know, because I've seen him. I never saw him with Zeppelin, but I've seen him, you know, a couple dozen times. So, uh, I'm sure I'll like enough of it, and I love Chicago, Gibson's, Hooters, uh, a couple good breakfast places. There's this place called Wildfire uh, that I really like, a restaurant here, uh, and I have friends out here as well. So uh, I'll tell you something. I, I, I looked at the Gibson's menu. Mm-hmm. You know, Gibson's, of course, being Gibson's Steakhouse, downtown Chicago. There's a couple other locations in Chicago, but that's, the, that's ground zero. It's wonderful. And I always, look to see if, I always look to see if they've added anything new. And, Tim, for the first time in my memory, they have my favorite cut, prime rib. Oh, they never had prime rib now, before? No, no, Gibson's, to my knowledge, has wow. never had prime rib. Or maybe they have had, and I'm just so busy getting the 22-ounce Chicago cut, which is my go-to. So what do I do? Do I go get prime rib, or do I, or do I get my go-to? I think I'm going to get my go-to. I, I think, or go, or go twice while I'm here. That's what I was just about to say. There's nothing stopping you from going two times. I mean, I watched the entire season, every season of the league. They were there every night. You can go two nights in a row. Were they in, in that in that TV series, the league about the fantasy league? Yeah, they went to Gibson's. They would. They always went to the bar side. 
You see, you know what? I watched that a few episodes. I, I, I thought it was overrated. I never connected that as being Gibson's. It obviously wasn't shot at Gibson's, or I would have figured it out. I think the exteriors were shot. Like, they would do an establishing shot of Gibson's. From oh, I don't remember out. that. Let me let me tell you this, though. If, 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 if there were Gibson's in Pittsburgh, well, like, there was. The state company. I mean, not, not quite as good, but real good. I went there four or five times a week. If Gibson's was here, was in Pittsburgh, rather, or I lived in Chicago, I'd go to Gibson's four or five times a week. Yeah, that would get a little pricey, so hopefully Mark is winning on gambling by going to Bet Rivers or the Bet Rivers app and downloading that to his phone because it's going to get awful pricey to eat at Gibson's that often if one does come to Pittsburgh. Thanks to Mark for joining us as always for Madden Monday. And just to follow up on a couple thoughts that he gave about Stefan Tuitt, I think the subtraction of Stefan Tuitt from the Steelers' depth chart in 2022 doesn't have to hurt the defense as much as it did last year. If the Steelers address it right and if they get a little lucky they could avoid that being the pitfall that it was in 2021. For as much of a fan as I was of Tuitt as a player, it wasn't his absence for 17 games that crushed the Steelers' defense as much as it was the absence of Tyson Alualu for 16 games. Because as we saw after Alualu got hurt early in Week 2 against the Raiders with that season-ending ankle injury, that's when the Steelers' defense really went in the tank. In week one, even without Tuitt, the defense was excellent en route to beating the Bills 23-16 on the road, particularly the front seven. Aluala was quite good with five tackles and a QB hit on Josh Allen. But from the minute Aluala went out against the Raiders, that's when the Steelers' defense went south more noticeably, trying to stop opposing rush attacks. Now, it's not to say that Aluala is a better player than Tuitt. He's not. Alualu is always consistent, effective, reliable. He flashes occasionally. When Tuitt is healthy and in a groove, though, he can be a game wrecker. Well, at least that was before he retired on Wednesday, but Alualu's injury compounded the injury of Tuitt, and that's what the defense couldn't overcome, especially with the limited options on the depth chart after they were both lost. After all, following Alualu's broken ankle, the Steelers played the rest of the season without the guy they trusted to be the starting nose tackle and the chief backup to both Tuitt and Cameron Hayward at the defensive end positions. Chris Wormley hadn't played much after joining the team from Baltimore in 2020. Carlos Davis barely saw the field as a rookie in 2020. Isaiah Loudermilk was a rookie not expected to contribute much in 21. Amontravius Adams didn't join the team until late November. All those players are more experienced and familiar with the defense now, and most importantly, Alualu is healthy. That's also to say nothing of the fact that perhaps they'll get better inside linebacker play from Devin Bush, now more than a year into his recovery from his knee injury, and Miles Jack, a perceived upgrade from Joe Schobert. So for all of those reasons the sting of losing to it for a second straight year after the draft and free agency shouldn't decimate the Steelers as much as it did in 2021. That's if the Steelers allocate what would have been to it snaps the right way, and if they are fortunate enough that the defensive line stays healthy most of the season, specifically Alualu, Warmly, and Hayward. Here's Alualu. I guess when, when you have guys that can you know move around, I think that'll just help. Um, help us overall as, as a unit um, when guys can play multiple positions um, and feel, you know, wherever it's needed. But uh, to be honest, you know, we're always, majority of the time we're in nickel defenses. So 
it's always the two D tackles. It doesn't matter if you play nose or end. You just got to be ready to go out there. Now, the smartest thing to do would be to keep it simple. In the base 3-4 defense, plug Alualu back in at the nose where he started 10 games effectively in 2020 after Javon Hargrave left for Philadelphia in free agency, have Wormley and Hayward play the defensive end spots. In the nickel and dime packages, I'd keep Alualu and Hayward on the field as often as their conditioning will allow with Wormley as the top backup to both spots. Some combination of Loudermilk, rookie DeVarvin Leal, the Davis twins, Daniel Archibong, they can spot in as needed at the ends. Adams and Henry Mondo will also provide depth at nose. Warmly, though, sure sounds like he's expecting to fill Tewitt's role. In 2020, that meant 75.6% of the defensive snaps, second only to Hayward among defensive linemen, who was at 78%. Alualu was on the field for just 43% of the time that year. Uh, here's Warmly's thinking. Yeah, I think I think I'm I'm you know poised to, to fill that role. Um, I'm excited for Tyson to come back healthy. I'm excited for some of the young guys to, to kind of step in and, and, and play some um, meaningful snaps this season. Um, but as a unit, I think we're excited, and I think it starts with Cam. Um, and I'm just excited for for the opportunity again for for this season. Warmly did start 14 games and ended up with 71 percent of the defensive snaps along the line, even playing some at nose tackle a bit. And as a result, he posted career highs with seven sacks and 51 tackles. But anyone who logged a lot of playing time in that front seven, even Hayward and T.J. Watt, have to wear the ugly result of being part of a defense that finished last against the run, an NFL worse 146 yards per game on the ground. To that end, for all of the strides that Wormley made in terms of pass rushing, it appears he might be trying to add some weight to help anchor down in the run game. He says he's put on roughly five to seven pounds this offseason. Steelers.com currently has Wormley listed at an even 300 pounds, which is right around where Tewitt and Hayward tend to play. The Steelers could certainly add to the defensive line free agency before the season starts, but with some of the cap space cleared up by Tewitt's retirement, I see the greater need to beef up the depth chart at running back or outside linebacker where the ranks are very thin after the starters. So for now, don't expect a massive move to fill the hole left by Tewitt. A healthy Alualu and a more stout Wormley may not be as good, but the results could be good enough and will definitely be better than 2021, although I suppose it couldn't be worse, could it, especially against the run? That'll do it for the... Pittsburgh CityCast today. We will be back tomorrow. Brian Metzer talking hockey with us. And we'll recap what happens on Monday night as well. This is the Pittsburgh CityCast brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the app today or go to betrivers.com.